This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back on CBS Sports Radio, Ken Carmen until 2 p.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. I'm watching Bristol last week. He ended up being the big winner. and You had early trouble. And you still found a way to win. Of course, he finds a way to win everything. Kyle Busch joining us on the show, driver of the number 18, M&M's Toyota Camry for Joe Gibbs Racing. Of course, it says everything here. Interstate battery, Skittles, Snickers, Pedigree. I run out of time. Kyle, thanks for joining us on the show. Well, I appreciate that. I don't have to do my sponsor mentions. It seems like you got them all hit out of the park for me. <laughs> well, I had them all down there. You're one of the most popular drivers out there. And uh, you know it, it's it's come the hard way. You're still you're still to me a younger guy, but you've been in NASCAR for quite a while. Again, you went on Sunday. How much has changed in the sport for you since when you first started? Oh man, a ton has changed. It's been crazy with uh, the evolution of the cars, evolution of safety, evolution of drivers, and and just where the sport has come to today. And um, you know, obviously, it's uh, I think it's in the same place same place as it was years years ago it's just uh you know fans that kind of gravitated to nascar back in the 90s and found their favorite driver be rusty wallace dale jarrett jeff gordon um dale earnhardt you know tony stewart and and dale earnhardt jr those guys um you know it just kind of seems like they've not necessarily been able to find a new driver to like or a new driver to follow and um you know we've we've, we've kind of struggled a little bit in the fan base, but uh, I'll tell you what, the last two years with uh, some Chase Elliott, some Ryan Blaney, some things like that, um, you know, guys, people are coming back, and it's been cool to see. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that coming up in a bit, but I want to ask you about you personally. You know, I, I ask you how much has changed. You're a champion now. You know, you won it in 2015, something you've been going after like crazy. Uh, for you as a driver, how much changes after you win a championship? Uh, I would say there's a bit of change, you know, um, when you are a contender or a participant, I guess, even before that, you know, that's just kind of who you are. But then once you're able to kind of break through and finally be a champion, you know, you have a different uh, stature in the sport and you've got a different responsibility as well, too. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I enjoy it, of course, you know, being able to, to, to win races all the time. That's that's part of what it's all about, being a champion and winning championships is what it's all about as well, too, in the grand scheme of things. and. Obviously, I'd love to have more, and, and we've been in the Final Four, uh, man, four years in a row, and uh, I've only won it once, you know, so it just shows you how tough that final race can be uh, where there's other guys that you're going up against that are that are just as good as you are. Kyle Busch joining us on the show, driver of the number 18, M&Ms and everything, Toyota Camry for Joe Gibbs Racing. Can you take me through Bristol? Because I wasn't wrong, was I? Because when I first tuned in, I was watching you and I was watching baseball on Sunday. You had an accident at the beginning, and you were still able to come through and get the win on Sunday. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Yeah, we, we got caught up in a mishap early on. There was a guy that got um, kind of forced off the track and into the wall off of turn two uh, on lap two, and it, it kind of bunched up the field a little bit, and there was an accordion effect, and I was kind of the guy that got spit out of the, cor- of the accordion. Uh, I got hit from behind and spun. 
no fault of the guy behind me, uh, Ricky Stenhouse, just, uh, you know, just racing. And then, um, you know, a couple cars came through and missed me, and then another guy came through and hit me, and we had a little bit of damage, but we had to, to fix that and kind of repair our car a little bit. But then after that, we uh, we were pretty good, you know. Still, we had a fast race car. We were a good top four, top five guy. And uh, all you can do is try to run up front, put yourself in the right position, and when the time comes, you know, they had late race caution. There were pit stops. We stayed out. We ended up winning the race, so it kind of fell in our hands. What's just racing, and what is maybe a little bit more when you're certainly at a place like Bristol or Martinsville? Yeah, I mean, guys that just deliberately run into the back of you for no apparent reason or guys that run into the side of you or push you up the racetrack and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's just, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's also a part of racing, but you know that when it's a little rougher or a little dirtier or whatever, that, um, you know, you're going to keep that in the back of your mind for whoever done that to you, and, and you're going to repay the favor later on down the road. How long are you willing to keep something like that in the back of your mind? Forever. <laughs> Kyle Bush joining us on this show. Uh, what do you think when when analysts and when fans compare you to Dale Earnhardt? I mean, it's it's flattering. Obviously, um, you know he's he's one of the top dogs of our sport, one of the top guys that built our sport to what it is today. Him, Richard Petty, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, uh, Kaylee Arborall, David Pearson. You name it. There's there's a ton, a ton of Hall of Famers. Daryl Waltrip, for instance, that that have built our sport to what it is to today. And, uh, you know, being compared to any of those guys is is, uh, is really cool. And, and obviously Dale Earnhardt kind of being the intimidator and being one of the best guys many have ever seen drive a race car. And, uh, you know, it feels good to be to be in that same uh, ballpark of, that, of those guys. Do you feel any different because you mentioned the young guys now, and when we make that comparison, you, you mentioned a bunch of names that – really weren't just names, but were also personalities. And, and what really drove, a terrible pun, but what really moved NASCAR into the 21st century and made it as popular as what it was. And you mentioned some of the young guys, and some of the young guys seem to be a little bit camera shy, but you've always, whether fans have thought you were right, thought you were wrong, you've always been one of the guys who were willing to speak your mind and let the let the personality show. Does anybody ask you about that, that young drivers ever ask you about that? Um, you know, actually, I don't, I don't think they have. I think they're just kind of, um, I don't know if it's just flow underneath the radar or just kind of do your own deal and, and focus about yourself and not really about anybody else, which I, I tend to try to think that I do as well. But, um, you know, many of those guys are more reserved and, uh, less outspoken, uh, compared to myself. But, um, you know, I guess, not that you don't have any consequences, because there certainly are some consequences sometimes, but it's just kind of like, hey, if you believe in something and you know of something and you want to talk about something, then you just spit it out there. But when you're at the very top, especially like when you do the bow after you win, things like that, like you know people watch that, and whether it's good or bad, you know they're still talking about it, which is always still good for NASCAR, isn't it? <laughs> I hear you. You know, I don't know how a bow can be a bad thing, but um, <laughs> you know, for me, I... I was never able to do a backflip, so uh, I'll leave that to the others. <laughs> Kyle Bush with us on the show. So you're an owner. Uh, you basically, how often do you race a week? Well, I mean, with the Cup Series schedule, we, we race 38 times out of the year. You know, we've got 40 yeah. weekends straight, basically, that our schedule goes. We've got two off weeks in there. Um, so we'll race 38 times between those 40 weeks. And then, um, let's see, the... 
I run in the truck series five times. I run in the Xfinity series seven times. I have got a super late model team also that I run with about four or five times. And so, you know, with, with all, all those races, you're looking around 50, 55 times a year. I mean, this is, I know Kenny Schrader was always known for racing five, six days a week sometimes. I mean, you keep a very hectic schedule. What do you like outside of racing? What are hobbies for you? Um, yeah, I mean, so some hobbies for me. I love RC cars. I've been an RC car kid since my early, early days. I might have been five, six, seven years old when I got my first one. But, um, you know, working, waiting a couple more years before I get my son kind of into that. He's, he's asking about it a little bit, but uh, not every day. So I don't think he's ready yet, quite yet. Um, but, you know, I also enjoy going out to the sand dunes, uh, playing with some four-wheelers and some sand cars and side-by-sides, things like that. And uh, having time with my family, that's, that's a big deal as well. So that's kind of a, I wouldn't call it a hobby, but that's something that you do in your spare time is just be able to have family time. What separates you from your brother? What's different about you? I don't know. You know, we're both very fiery, competitive people. Um, I guess one thing that I kind of notice is, um, you know, he's, he's more okay with having extracurricular activities and and doing different things and being more uh, cultured, let's call it. He'll travel over to Europe and go through Paris and go look at history and and spend time with his wife and, you know, go down to Florida and just kind of veg out for a few days or whatever, where me, man, I'm, I'm all about racing. I live, breathe, think, sleep, all racing. And so uh, my son, he's, he's into it a lot now, and um, I own the race team, Kyle Busch Motorsports, and, of course, uh, drive you know, the Cup Series stuff. I watch videos during the week. I study notes during the week, all that sort of stuff. So I think that, um, you know, I'm just more passionate about it and, and more into it maybe than um, than Kurt. Kyle Bush with us on the show, 2015 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion joining us here this afternoon on CBS Sports Radio. Kyle, when we talk about NASCAR and the future of NASCAR, you know, Bristol was a disheartening thing uh, with some of the fan interaction on Sunday. Uh, the, the ratings are still the same than they were last year. We're always looking to grow them. What would you do to grow NASCAR's fan base right now? You know, that's that's tough. I, I don't know. I, the problem with it is I think that there's a lot of our our – our older crowd, let's call it, and the fact of the matter is they're older, um, they're kind of aging out, and they don't necessarily want to go to the races as much anymore. They don't want to go spend the weekends at the track and have to spend thousands of dollars for campsites and groceries and food and, um, you know, then the, the, I guess, the aggravation sometimes of traffic. I mean, traffic's really not that bad, so I don't know what what, what the complaint would be exactly there, but... Um, you know, past that, just the the older generations, we haven't quite been able to connect with the younger generations. You know, I would say they're the 40, 50-year-old men and women, couples that brought their children, you know, to the races years ago. The children found it, okay, cool, that was fun, seen it, done it, then they're not going back type thing, you know. And, um, again, I, I don't know exactly how to fix that, how to change that. I think it's just the changing of the times and kind of what people are interested in now and as you look at it, um, you know, the circus went out of business because they weren't appealing anymore. It was the same old stuff. So we've kind of got to figure out what to do to, to appeal to the younger generations and, um, and get them to come kind of check it out, whether it's more 
um, more parties or more um, music or, you know, the, the event and the allure of having activities at the race to then be able to check out a cool race and watch race cars go fast, I think that's where it's at. Kyle Bush with us on the show. What would you change right now if you could change anything about NASCAR? I think the biggest thing is just, you know, like I was just talking about, is being able to get people there. And so to me, being able to get people there just means showing them a better time. And some of these racetracks are trying to show people a better time, but they're not necessarily really pushing, um, you know, being able to go out to colleges or being able to go out and recruit. Um, you know, we've gotten, <laughs> for instance, we've got the Monster Girls, right? Our sport's sponsored by Monster Energy. we got the Monster Girls. Send them out and have them be our recruits and, and get guys and girls and, and tell them about the parties that are going to be at the racetrack and give them some free tickets or some free passes to the parties and get them to get to the racetrack. Maybe they'll buy a ticket to get into the grandstands and go check out the race, stuff like that. So it's just um, kind of a part part of what, uh, what I think could be done. Can you tell me more about the Bundle of Joy Fund that you and uh, your wife sponsor? Absolutely. So, um, you know, the... The Bundle of Joy Fund has kind of evolved and um, has become what our foundation drive is. And so people can go to thebundleofjoyfund.org in order to check it out and donate and learn about uh, the process of infertility. And so Samantha and myself had to go through IVF in order to conceive uh, our son Brexton. And now we help other families within the Charlotte area that go to the REACH clinic. We raise money and, and give to them grants. Um, we've done over 30, 39 families. We've gotten 19 babies born. We've wow. given over half a million dollars. So it's been in four years. It's been, uh, it's been pretty fun. It's been a great experience and, um, you know, very, very warming to, uh, to what we're, we're all about. 19 already. Yep, 19 babies in four years. Oh, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. More info, everybody find that out. The can- uh, Kyle and Samantha Bush, Bundle of Joy Fund. All right, I'm going to finish it up with this. I always ask, what question did you want me to ask you that I that you didn't get a chance to answer? <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I'd say, um, you know, just about, um, you know, of the races coming up, what which one are you most excited about? So I guess I'd go with uh, this weekend. I'm always excited about the next one. And so uh, we go to Richmond, and Richmond is actually a really, really good place for me. I've won there multiple times. I think it's actually the track that I have my best average finish at. So uh, I tend to run well at Richmond, and uh, it's going to be this Saturday night, April 13th. It's going to be on Fox, and it's gonna, coverage starts at 7.30. So I want to make sure everybody tunes in and, and, and watches and gets ready for an awesome Saturday night action. Sit back, relax, uh, grab a cold beverage for the couch, and maybe some snacks and M&Ms. Definitely go well in that uh, in that regard, and check it out. It's always fun, and I'll tell everybody from a personal standpoint, it's always fun because you get to see the rotors light up as you go into the turns as the race goes on. Kyle, we thank you so much for the time. Continued success, good luck, and hope you chase down a championship this year, friend. Right on. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Kyle Bush, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup driver, 2015 champion. Up next, NASCAR and the PGA. Unlikely bedfellows, but true. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. I will get to the Antonio Brown thing. I think I'm going to make Tom sick. It's going to be great. 
We just had Kyle Bush on. Kyle Bush is fantastic. We just had Kyle Bush on. We'll hear that entire. You can hear that entire interview again. CBSSportsRadio.com uh, if you want to. I've always grown up a big NASCAR fan, so it was great to have Kyle Busch on. And there was a time when I was younger, I hated Kyle Busch. Now, the sad thing is, I just don't know if I care as much. And any time, it's a weird, awkward weekend, because I have a NASCAR guest on. And going on right now, even though you can't watch until 3, really, is the Masters. And every time we talk about golf, one of the problems is, is that, and Tom knows this, producers know this, and listeners really know this, too, when you start talking about golf, it just turns into Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Well, do you guys want Tiger to win? Do you do you want Tiger to win? How bad do you want Tiger to win? Can Tiger still catch Jack? Can Tiger pass Jack? Well, if you do want Tiger to win, can you condone what he did back in 2009 and probably still did after that and all that stuff? Can you do that? Well, if you don't condone what Tiger did, then tell me all your favorite athletes in the past and whether or not you condone what they did. And it turns into this big, do you want Tiger to win fest? Because we don't know what else to talk about when it comes to golf. Because none of the other guys are overwhelmingly interesting. Phil Mickelson still is, but how much longer is Phil Mickelson going to be around? And he's in contention this year, thank God. But all the other ones, Bryson DeChambeau, he wears one of those weird hats. Great. Brooks Kepka's quiet. Looks like he's really good, but quiet. Rory McIlroy is starting to battle his way back. Jordan Spieth is falling apart in big tournaments anymore. Patrick Reed, I don't think I'd want to know Patrick Reed personally. Maybe that's a guy, but you really hate him. You need somebody to carry the torch for you. You need somebody who's interesting. And Tiger Woods, even though he's mostly wooden and laconic, is still an interesting person because he turned it on its ear and he's an African-American gentleman. Let's be serious about when he starts. So it changes the conversation about golf. For my generation, we didn't grow up golfing. I didn't grow up golfing. When I saw Tiger Woods... I wanted to get clubs. We wanted to go to the golf course. We started building golf courses in the fields behind our homes when back in Perry, and then we started going to the golf course when we got old enough to drive. Tiger Woods did that. So my generation is a bit defensive of it. But without Tiger, what's the serious conversation? What is the thing that you pound phones on and you get interested in the conversation with? There's very little. And when I look at NASCAR and I see the PGA, I see them almost in the same boat. You have an aging demographic. People have been going to less and less NASCAR events over the last handful of years than they ever have before. There were 40,000, reported 40,000 in the seats at Bristol last year or last week when 10 years ago when they did the side-by-side, full to the brim, 160,000 people. 10 years is not that long ago. That's a scary scenario. Golf, not just necessarily the PGA. I think the PGA is still healthy and fine. It's always been centered around that. It's not what it was when Tiger was in his heyday, but it's still healthy and fine. NASCAR I'm worried about, but you hear when Kyle Busch talks about the aging part of it, if you look it up in any one of your trade magazines or any bit of news, golf courses around the country, because of the Tiger boom, all of a sudden they're starting to close up shop. And then they want to blame millennials. Millennials don't want to get golf memberships. Millennials don't have the attention span for four-hour games anymore. Millennials really can't get out there and golf the way that the previous generation could. They can't get out there and even play nine the way the previous generation could. It is a difficult thing. And when I look at NASCAR, which is about as American as you can possibly get in every single way around it, and I look at the PGA, which is American but at a different class level, there is an intersection between the two. Where your hardcore fan base 
begins to age out and where some of the guys that you know are starting to get a little bit older and then there's a new generation where I don't think that they are being welcomed in the way that the older ones were. When I bring up NASCAR drivers now, it's a bunch of 20-year-olds, guys who are young, guys who grew up and, frankly, had wealthy parents who were interested in racing, who wanted to get their kids interested in racing because their kids were interested in racing, and they've all of a sudden became the driver of multi-million dollar teams at a very young age when it used to be you used to get a little bit lucky, be a guy who was a whiz on a Saturday night, used to race every single way you could, got a job at an auto shop, bought your car tires on credit, bought everything else on credit, tried to figure out a way, and then you were part of the American dream if you were able to get to NASCAR. You see a guy like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. You can only go for so long. And what made Tiger relatable, let's be serious, was the 2009 incident. There's plenty of guys out there listening. You've had some mistakes. Maybe you've been led astray. Tiger Woods still tries to be a good father. He's been a bad husband. Each and every one of us, if we're not that guy, we know like five guys like that. It made Tiger more relatable. But when Tiger immediately goes back out and has four back surgeries and four knee surgeries and he's not available to watch, we lose interest. This is a much more morbid term, but it's almost in the same light, even though it's final. Dale Earnhardt grew up to a ninth grade education and quit school. His first marriage was a complete and utter failure. He lost his first son. His son was turned over to his wife and taken away from him. He was obsessed with racing to a fault. Dale Earnhardt would admit he had to find ways to be better to his children after that, to reestablish a relationship with his oldest son. He had made mistakes as a father and a husband early in his life. That's what a lot of us can relate to. Not that it's overwhelmingly sad. We want a good story. And what Dale Earnhardt did, not finishing high school, still finding a way to become the type of icon that he was, is the American dream, is what all of this is supposed to be about, those type of heroics. But in 2001, that ends. And then you start to see the guys that were the cowboys of NASCAR in the past, they start to retire. The personalities of the past, they start to go the way. The guys that had mics in their faces that loved to cut a promo on other drivers, that people used to love watching in the stands and used to cuss when they won and used to roar when they were getting their own drivers to win. You don't see that anymore in NASCAR, and you don't see that anymore in the PGA. Yep, you're talking to a completely different group of people. But in the same vein, both in America, they're both at the same crossroads with each other. 855-2124-CBS. Finally, when we come back, yes, Antonio Brown can still be someone who's emulated. All that and get your head out of your ass. Take a look around and pay Russell his money. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Speak now, forever hold your peace. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. It's brought to you by Geico. There's a quick way you can save some money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Also, please remember, today, 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific, join CBS Sports Network in Annapolis, Maryland. 
for some college lacrosse action. Don't miss America's favorite battle as the number 20 Army Black Knights take on the Navy Midshipmen. It's only on the 24-hour home of CBS Sports. Ken Carmen here with you. 855-2124-CBS. I, I didn't get to play the thrill of victory music, Tom. We didn't get to do it. It's a notable omission. Yeah, you know, it's just a major league. Ba- Can we throw it in there, please? It is Masters Saturday. It's moving day. Can we do this? Thank you. Now you feel like it's the Masters. You come back from break. Jim Nance, the Masters, brought to you by Prudential. By the Hartford. By investment company most people have not invested with. It all started on Thursday. Bernhard Langer led the pack. He went where eagles dare on five. And then you hear the crowd. Whoa! It continued to Saturday where defending champion Patrick Reed didn't say his prayers at Amen's Corner and ended up wet in Ray's Creek. And it brings us to Saturday as multiple-time champion Phil Mickelson made his way down Magnolia Lane trying to recapture the greatness and trying to recapture the green jacket. Good afternoon, friends. Jim Nance alongside of Johnny Miller, Vern Lundquist on 16, and Lagora on 5. It's been an incredible Masters so far. And just like every storyline, there will be high drama as we welcome you to moving day. Scale of 1 to 10, how is the Jim Nance? I won't do it if it's a, below a 5. Tom? You're going to run into some legal problems pretty soon. Yeah! That's what I want to hear, baby! Is it good? It's real good. I mean, I, you get it. You got the tone down, but... You, yeah, you got to do it. You got the, it you gotta, all, though. Yeah, you got to do the tone. You got to do the tone. It's more than the tone, though. You got the cadence. You got the way, the, the words yeah. that he uses, even. I do, don't I? That's right. You got it down. It's a shame. I got a great Jim Nance. I got a horrible Ken Carmen. 855-212-4CBS. you can yeah. do about that. Guy. Yeah, what are you going to do? We'll, uh, we will be paying attention. Maybe you can get Gresh to do a Ken Carmen. I'm sure that one's going to be great. Um, it is moving day at the Masters. I do want Phil to win. It's just from my childhood. We're both lefties, and that's basically the only thing we've ever had in common, and that's it. I like Phil Mickelson. It's just one of those things that are fun. Two things i got to get to before we end, because I kept saying I was going to do it, and because we started doing the NFL on CBS, and we started doing the Masters and everything there, I I forgot to bring up the Antonio Brown thing again, because I think, and I desperately, I desperately tried to take his side in this. He just wouldn't let me do it. I think that the failures over the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last couple of years, the loss against Jacksonville at home in the coldest game at Heinz Field, which, yeah, most players, and this is an overrated thing, home field advantage, most players aren't from Pittsburgh or Western Pennsylvania anymore, so it doesn't matter as much. But still, coldest game in Heinz Field history, it's like negative 10, and they lose to Jacksonville. And then the way this season went... I look at that and I think, I got to see the guys who are at the top. I got to see Ben Roethlisberger. I got to see Mike Tomlin. And I have to start to point my finger at those guys. And then at the end of the season, Antonio Brown doesn't want to play. 
And I kept thinking, don't turn him into a scapegoat. Do not turn him into a scapegoat. I understand that he should have been able to play if he was able to play. He should have been there to play if he was able to play, and he didn't do it, and that's still on him. But you still beat Cincinnati at the end of the season, and you still have questions of your leadership, and it starts at the quarterback, and it finishes at the head coach. Do not turn him into a scapegoat. Then he had speeding charges on Mount Pleasant Road. Then he had some incident down in Miami. And then he was getting on Instagram and Twitter and saying he was leaving Pittsburgh and said thanks for thanks for everything. And then he was gone. There was so many things. And now what he just did with Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm sorry, that is such an a-hole move. Such a jerk move. Listen, if you don't answer the DM or something like that, that happens. You can't answer everything. Maybe you're a busy man. That's okay. But for whatever reason, you think that this is some sort of a power play on Juju Smith-Schuster where he was in college and he comes to you for some guidance and you put that as a screenshot. I don't understand how you're the winner in this matter. What, because he was voted the MVP? And because you're that petty, you're going to bring up the fumble against the Saints? We're going to do this? I'm trying to give you an out. You will not allow me to do it. He goes on LeBron's show. Hey, kind of makes a point. Ben makes a lot of mistakes during the game. Brings up his future. Okay, yeah, got it. And then you do things like this. It's like, fine. You desperately want to be the a-hole I suppose you are. So I guess I'm going to have to call you that. However, I can't get out of this thought. He's still someone to emulate. Hold on. Not personally. Not online. Those should be taken as warning signs. Those should be taken as cautionary tales. But a six-round pick who has turned himself into the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL, I know that he just put Juju Smith-Schuster on blast. But again, a six-round pick who turns himself into the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL who is able to force his power, I know, I know, I know, I know, who's able to force his power to go to a different destination, and he'll probably have some meltdown around week five, and we'll be talking about Antonio Brown again, and anytime I try to build him up, he gives me every reason to knock him down. Every time I try to defend the man, he makes me sound like a total idiot in front of the country. But it's still a struggle, and it's still the truth. To find anybody who works as hard as Antonio Brown, who's as committed to his craft as Antonio Brown is, and who also gets the dollars and cents of it and knows that if you're not fighting for every single penny that you believe you are due, you're leaving money on the table in the NFL. At at least if you're not a quarterback, you're doing yourself a disservice. No matter what I want to say about Antonio Brown personally, it's a bad look to do what he did with Juju Smith-Schuster. It's a bad look for the speeding on Mount Pleasant and all the other stuff. The things I can't take away from him are the business acumen of it, even though he's costing himself in the long run in the court of public opinion. That's absolutely true. Image means a lot. But when it comes to dollars and cents on the contract, he still makes himself highly paid. He still gets a contract where he worked. If it comes down to just money and he continues to be the type of wide receiver he's been, which is the most consistent in the NFL, still a tremendous playmaker, somebody you have to develop and still still you have to develop defenses on to be able to double, double cover him at every single given time. I can't deny that about Antonio Brown. Tom is fit to be tied. I'm sure he disagrees. But... No matter everything we say about Antonio Brown, and very little of it's good, 
Juju Smith-Schuster was right to reach out to him. Juju Smith-Schuster seen even a higher pick, a diamond in a rough, and a guy who is the best wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see how this works out without Antonio Brown on the field, but it's still a very big fear to see that type of guy turn into the type of almost monster that Antonio Brown has become. But I just can't deny the truth. The work is still there. The talent is still there. Him being paid multiple times over as the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, I still have to be honest with myself and honest with you and give credit where credit's due. 855-2124-CBS. But I'm sure he'll make me sound like an idiot in the future when he does have his meltdown a week four or week seven or whatever it's going to happen with the Oakland Raiders. I listened to NFL Network earlier this week. It was on in the background. Andrew Siciliano, because I was working on other things, Andrew Siciliano was sitting down and talking to Jack Del Rio. We need to end this silliness now. Play the Jack Del Rio. If you have it, Tom, go. Don't be surprised if, before it's all said and done, when we line up for the season next year, if Russell Wilson isn't quarterbacking somewhere else and the Seahawks Seahawks haven't gone and gotten a quarterback, they think, for the future. I you know, just the way he gave the deadline, um, he's been a tremendous player there for him. But, you know, to me, that gives just enough ammo for the fans out there to not really like that. And enough for the Seahawks to maybe do what they've done with, you know, jettison, jettisoning some of their, uh, some of their other players uh, before they overpay. And, you know, they like to run it. They like to play defense. I just wouldn't be shocked. It wouldn't be out of the question for me to see the Seahawks do that. Audio courtesy of NFL Network. I'm not calling Jack Del Rio an idiot. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not going to call John Schneider an idiot. He's not an idiot, at least not yet. I know that Russell Wilson has put the April 15th deadline up there, tax day, and that he needs himself a new contract. And I know he's married to Sierra, and people are worried because Sierra might get him thinking this, like they're turning him into his own Yoko Ono, whatever. If you go down the highest-paid quarterbacks, the top 15 highest-paid quarterbacks per contract this last year, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, who got hurt, Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Andrew Luck, bing, Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, Alex Smith, Russell Wilson, ding, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Kirk Cousins, Phillip Rivers, ding, Ryan Tannehill. Of the highest-paid quarterbacks, out of the top 15, only three made the playoffs, One of those is Russell Wilson. On a defense that's been completely pulled apart and is starting to be put back together. On an offense that does not have the running game it once had and is still trying to develop. And over a complete roster that is being changed over. I hope a lot of this is just hot talk and hyperbole. Because if it isn't, what I'm saying right now isn't going to even be anywhere near in comparison to what I could say by next week or the week after. I hope that while the offenses are changing in the NFL, while the game is changing in the NFL, and we are seeing more run-pass option, we're seeing more speed offense, we're seeing different looks defensively, while we are seeing some great success with Lamar Jackson and a couple of other guys out there, while we have to give that credit to those guys, it is still a league, and you know this, that is driven by quarterbacks. And if John Schneider all of a sudden has forgotten that, then out he should go. And if the Seattle Seahawks have somehow forgotten that with Pete Carroll, then away they should go. Because what you saw, and even if you're the most ardent, cloud-in-the-sky Seahawk fan, 
you know what got you to the postseason. In that division that, yep, Garoppolo got hurt, who knows what the 49ers would have been. The Cardinals were terrible last year. The Rams were obviously pretty damn good, and then there was you. You were not supposed to get to the playoffs the way you did last year. There is a test of elite quarterbacking in this league. When you start out as a rookie and you start to play and you start to play well and you're a cheap quarterback in terms of money and they can put teams around you, put players around you and make that type of run, that's one thing. When they have to start pulling those guys away because they can't pay them all and it's left on your shoulders and you're able to take your team to the postseason when you know and everybody else around you knows, including your own fans, that you don't have the firepower of those other teams. That's what separates greatness. That's what separates elite franchise quarterbacks from all the rest. And Russell Wilson was able to do it. Look around you for the last 15, 20 years. Look at what's going on in your own division. Look at the 49ers. Skating it out on their leather ass with other quarterbacks. And when Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy they traded for, goes down, who didn't start that great last year, by the way, when he goes down who completely fall apart over that time. Look at the Cardinals. Look at the Rams before McVay got there and they were able to bring out the golf. And then just look at everybody else in this in this league. The Dolphins, the Browns, the Raiders, the Titans even, the Buccaneers even. And those guys, those teams just drafted a couple of guys, number one and number two, just a few years ago. And they don't seem to be in the position you are. And if they were, they would definitely pay the piper. I hope that this is all just a bunch of hot air. I hope that this is, we're a little bit bored. It's a little bit of that time before the draft. And everybody seems to think Kyler Murray's going number one overall. And we can only talk about Kyler Murray so much. And we can only talk about Josh Rosen so much. And there's only so many things you can say about the draft, and this is part of that silly season. I really, truly hope it is. I hope that what I'm saying is a scenario that doesn't happen. Because if it is a scenario that happens, then I don't understand how the Seattle Seahawks could get off the mat in the first place when they didn't have their head up their ass in the first place. I hope this is nothing but just talk. Because Russell Wilson is elite and definitely should be re-signed. If we're talking about Dak Prescott at $200 million, please. Big thanks to everybody in New York. D. Benedetto, Venezia, Schwartz, Wilkins, Billy Jack. I'm back next week. Have a wonderful weekend and week, my friends. Take care of yourselves. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.